Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the often imitated but never duplicated Sin Cider Podcast. I am your host for tonight, Chris, a.k.a. The Earl, a.k.a. Duke. And uh, Kevin is out trick-or-treating with his kids, a uh, good father of him. So I will be talking some Dolphin football and whatever else we can get into for the next hour or an hour and a half. Joining me tonight is our producer, Mr. James McKinney. James, how are you? I'm good. How are you, sir? I'm doing better getting over this cold sinusy thing I've had for the last two weeks. Do you need to hear your trumpet so you can go on, or are you going to be okay? I think I'll survive for tonight. Okay, because I can play them anytime you need them. Right, that's fine. I'll, I'll do it without the trumpet tonight. We'll save if, that. If you, stop, if you stumble, I'm just going to hit the trumpets button, you know, to, uh, it, to that'll, break the ice. That'll be fine. We can save those for Strange if he calls in. All right. So, I see him on the site. Um, before we get started, let me uh, go ahead and say that if you are listening and you want to call in, the telephone number is 347-326-9461. If you have anything you want to talk about, you can mention it on the um, on the website, on the open thread that we have up right now. So uh, I think we should start. Well, where probably the best way to start was talk about the um, Dolphins' absolute demolition of the New York Jets this weekend. Um. Usually before most Dolphins games, I get very nervous. Uh, main reason is I just want the Dolphins to win. I want them to play good. I want them to be successful. So coming in, this is a huge game against the Jets, the hated rival. And it's a big game for both teams. And unbeknownst to the rest of us at the time, the game was over in the first 15 minutes. It was an absolute beatdown of epic proportions, not necessarily with the score, but just in every phase of the game, we completely owned the Jets, and that was just an awesome feeling. I remember thinking somewhere in the third quarter, and of course, you know, I remember the miracle of the Meadowlands, a lot of you do as well, so I wasn't getting, you know, getting my hopes up too much, but at some point, I was like, man, this is just, this is just sad, uh, the way the Jets are playing out here. Uh, James, what did, uh, what what were your thoughts going on on during that game? I, I'm I like you. I go into any game nervous. I think I'm a little little more nervous than than most games when we play the Jets because I literally like most losses I can accept and and I realize you're going to take losses, but I can never accept the loss to the Jets. I don't know why. It just makes me feel like physically ill. So of course I'm nervous. I was still nervous. You know, even when we were up by quite a bit going into half and, you know, even in the third quarter, I'm I'm always still kind of anxious. And, and uh, it seemed like we took the foot off the gas, you know, quite a bit um, going into the second half. And I honestly, I didn't like seeing that, but luckily it didn't, didn't really cause too much damage. Um, you know, it seemed like we got real conservative, you know, especially on, uh, on offense. And uh, I would, I would rather have, take more of the, uh, Patriots uh, stance on those things because you never know. I mean, we weren't we weren't so far out in the front that it's just impossible to come back. 
Yeah, and, I, you know, I think you hit on something there. We kind of took our foot off the gas, but I don't think the Jets ever had their foot on the gas. No. Um, that was an absolute – I can't really describe just how bad that was offensively. I, I, I did some research on it because, you know, I was planning on coming on the podcast, didn't know I was going to host it, but I was uh, looking at some stuff. I, I went over their drive chart, and I counted – Two meaningful drives that they had all game, just two. One of them was at the end of the first half when uh, AFC Special Teams Player of the Week, Olivier Vernon, blocked the the field goal attempt. And their next meaningful drive was the one to start the second half when they got three points. Every drive they had after that was basically fruitless or meaningless. Yeah, they scored a touchdown. But it took them nearly six minutes to do it when they were down by 24 points. If it's going to take you six minutes to score a touchdown and you need four scores, yeah, you know, that's not good execution. So I was just, you know, looking back on it, I've watched some of it. I've watched some of it on DVR and kind of gone over it, and I thought to myself, I mean, I caught myself just laughing at times at just the total offensive ineptitude of that team. And I don't know if it's, because Sanchez is just not playing well, if it's play calling by Sperano, or if it's just a, you know, a combination of all of that. I mean, I remember thinking during the game, sitting there watching it, and they would run the ball at Paul Solia. And I would think to myself, why are you doing that? That's the most fruitless thing you can possibly do. It's a, I mean, you're not going to succeed. And every time they ran at him, it was like a yard, zero, minus a yard, minus two yards. I thought, you know, it's just, why do you keep doing that when it's not working? So, um, I I think that every week when we play teams, um, you know, mo- most teams for the most part, um, you know, they try to run against us, and after five or six rushes, you're thinking, why did why did teams even rush on us? Why even? I'd rather dink and dunk against a defense like that, but uh, but they they still do. And, and another another thought off of what you were talking about that last drive before the half. Now, that was the only one where they really moved the ball at all, and that was because they they put Tebow out there and they just left him out there, and he just and he was making plays. I mean, I don't think Tebow Tebow is what you want as a starting quarterback, but I think if I have Sanchez and he's running you know, a rating of fifty or whatever he was running at that point, or probably lower than that, I, I mean, at, at least he gives you a spark. At least he gives you something. And he gives your defense, the, the you know the opposing defense, something to think about. And I thought, you know, we'll probably see him come out in the second half. And nope, there comes Sanchez. And I just laughed when I saw it. And uh, Strange has a good comment on the site, and he was at the game. And uh, that comment says, "And that's another New York Jets fourth down. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, and that's kind of what it felt like. And I, you know, I don't want to keep talking about the Jets so much, uh, but you know." I've gone to Gangrene Nation this week uh, to read because I'm not a member of that site, but I go over there to read every now and then just to kind of catch the gauge of of the uh, of the, uh, the the fan base. And it, it, it's startling to me, you know, a lot of them are, you know, we need to fire everybody, get rid of Sanchez and all this. And there's still a number of people out there who are Sanchez believers. It's, it, it's so eerily reminiscent of of uh, the the Chad Henney debates. Well, he doesn't have he doesn't have a good coordinator. He doesn't have 
weapons. He doesn't have this. He doesn't have that. And I want. I just want to sit there and yell through my computer screen. You're just going to have to realize he's not that good. I mean, he was spraying the ball all over the field like he was marking his territory or something. I don't know what he was doing. That pass to that was intercepted, I went back and watched it. And everybody, the commentators, a lot of people said he was trying to throw it to Dustin Keller. But the ball was four miles behind Dustin Keller. The only thing that makes sense to me was that Stephen Hill was running some kind of slant or post route into the end zone, and he was trying to throw it to him because the trajectory of the ball looked like it would have hit Hill if Hill was running full speed, except for the fact that Chris Clemens was standing right there and um, made a good play. I, I don't know. It was just terrible, but enough about them. We'll go on to the Dolphins. Uh, what else can you say about the special teams? They dominated that game. The only real hiccup was uh, they gave up a big return to former Dolphin Clyde Gates. And if it wasn't for uh, wasn't for my boy DeAndre uh, DeAndre Presley from Appalachian State with a touchdown saving tackle there, uh, he might have gone to the house. Um, they gained another 34 yards to kick a field goal. But then the Dolphins turn around and respond with a 57-yard return by Marcus Stigpen, who is slowly becoming one of my favorite players on the team. And uh, the special teams just completely owned that game. I mean, they set the tone with the onside kick. They blocked the punt. That was the first blocked punt for a touchdown that the Jets have given up since 1984. <clears throat> I mean, we have Dolphin fans out there on the site that went alive when that happened. So that was that was pretty cool. We blocked the field goal. Um, uh, Brandon Fields was was crushing the ball. He had one that barely touched the end line, at the end zone, and then bounced back to the the two and, and, and rightfully called a touchback. But it was very close. He downed a couple, and Mar- if Marlon Moore doesn't trip, he has one at the one. That and, and like Dan Fout said on the broadcast, that guy's a weapon. And uh, he he was dominating. Carpenter hit some field goals. Um, you know, so all, all around the special teams did a great job. Um, defensively, I think the Dolphins played great. I mean, they really didn't give up any meaningful yards. Um, by the time the Jets scored their first points in the second half, they had only yielded 146 yards. Sixty some percent of those came on those two drives. The other drive, they managed somewhere in the neighborhood of like 40 yards. So our defense was 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 stopping them a lot. The um the they let up in the second half, like you said. I think they let off the gas. They started playing a little soft, softer defense. Um, they were content to let the Jets stupidly run the clock down. And um, yeah, they scored a touchdown that really didn't mean anything. Uh, the defense stepped up where uh, they didn't step up on the game, kept the Jets from doing anything, and by the time they decided to slack off a little bit, it was too late for the Jets. The offense, they played okay. Of course, you know, there was the injury to Tannehill. Went down. Um, the Jets had a blitz, and Johnson Martin and John Jerry got mixed up, picked up the wrong people. Calvin Pace came through, uh, hit Tannehill, he fell backwards and did a little hopper extension of his knee. Um, has a deep bone contusion of the knee and thigh. 
He was limited in practice today. He probably going to be a game time decision. They're going to see how he goes. Uh, but not to fear, Matt Moore uh, stepped in, and I, I'll, I'll be honest, I was really nervous when Matt Moore went in there, not because of what he did last year, but because of what he did in preseason. I mean, he looked awful in preseason. He looks like you couldn't give him away to another team at this point. And he stepped in. You know, he wasn't perfect, but he he played well. He well, hit those short passes that, you know, I was concerned about from the preseason. He hit those. Looks great in the pocket. Had good pocket, pocket presence. Uh, hitting the deep ball, hitting the intermediate routes. Stepped in, and, and, and the offense didn't miss the beat. With that said, we left some points out there on the field. I mean, we beat them 30-9. to nine. But I was thinking about today, we could have easily beat them 60-9. to nine. Um, it, On the Daily Dolphin, uh, Ben Volin has a little uh, segment in there today where it talks about using some screenshots to kind of go over things uh, during the game. <laughs> some points that we left on the field were on the first drive, uh, you know, when it's third and four or something, Tannehill throws that uh, fade right to Hartline in the end zone. Had, had he held on to the ball for just another second, Fasano was completely open in the middle of the field and would have scored a touchdown. So that was four points we left. Uh, the Marlon Moore catch, great catch by Moore, but if the pass, the, the pass was a little bit overthrown, had the pass been on target, he easily scores for a touchdown. That's four more points we gave up. Um, we had a strange call where Bass broke a tackle, but it was uh, ruled forward progress or whatever. Oh, um, yeah. Where he's gone for probably another 40, 40 yards, if not to the house. Yeah. Um, he left that. That one was on the field. Jabbar Gaffney drops past it. Would have put it at the very least in scoring position, if not scored a touchdown. Um, right after the Chris Clemens interception, uh, the next possession by the Jets, um, uh, Sanchez throws the ball right to Rashad Jones and he drops it deep in Jets territory. So, I mean, if we score on those opportunities, we look. Can you hear me now? And we're back. Ah. You there, You there, Chris? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, we're back. You're back on you're Back on air, man. Well, I have no idea. I don't know where I was at. Anyway, offense played okay. Left some points on the field. Defense played good. Special teams played great. Had a couple bad play calls I didn't like. That sums up everything I've been saying for the last 15 minutes, so... Uh, and so, uh, hopefully my phone will do something funny again. Beaver would like to know what happened to Gaffney, if you can answer answer a question for him. <laughs> um, Gaffney got his first play in time. He did catch a big pass. It was a 30-yard pass play to set up a uh, to set up the um, Anthony Cassano touchdown. He uh, he got open on another uh, route, a deep route, beat Kyle Wilson. And the ball hit him in the fingertips, and he dropped it. Now, uh, at that point in the game, it was 27-3. The game was over for all intents and purposes. 
So it was kind of one of those like, man, you got to catch that, but we'll let you slide this time kind of deals. Uh, he can't do that uh, against uh, in a closer game. You know, we're going to Indianapolis this week. If it's a close game and you get a playoff hat and you drop it, you know, that's going to cost you some, some playing time. And hopefully it won't cost you the game. Uh, but he got those two, two targets. All in all, I thought he played well. Marlon Moore played well for what they did. The Dolphins ran a lot of two wide receiver sets and two backs, single back, two tight end kind of deals. So there wasn't a lot of, of, of three receiver sets on the field. So those guys didn't get a lot of snaps. But uh, I thought they played well. Uh, the thing about Moore that impressed me, and I don't know if it was just because of Kyle Wilson or whatever, but he didn't really put a move on him. He just ran by him. And so he, he looked like he turned on a little bit of speed, too, when he realized the ball was a little bit overthrown. So that guy might be the deep threat that we've been needing. And uh, I hope he gets some more playing time, and I hope he continues to progress. Um, I think Gaffney's going to give us a veteran presence, a guy that can um, can um, can step up and, and be kind of a, a safety valve for Tannehill whenever teams are taking away Heartline and best. So that's my take on Gaffney. I think he's going to he's going to help this team win some games this year. Um, or at least be competitive on offense this year. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I thought he played well. I think, uh, you know, I was just overall impressed with the team. Uh, and, uh, you know, there were, there's some moments in every game, some learning points, but I think they're, they're, they're moving in the right direction. And uh, I think part of what, part of what's enjoyable about this and this victory was that everyone, all of the media, excuse me, all of the media kind of had us and the Jets pegged as equal kind of teams. And after that game, you can see how the media, you know, you look at all the power rankings, the Dolphins have moved up. We're in the top 15 in the power rankings. You look at the Jets and they've dropped down, and it's kind of like we've distanced ourselves. And hey, Chris? All the, yes. Sorry to interrupt you. Um, I've got another call to pick up. You've got uh, Griffin on the okay. line with you as well. So as soon as you're done, um, go ahead and welcome okay. him in. Griffin, a.k.a. Ohio. And he's already on the okay. line with you. Hey, man, I'm recuperating. Finish your point and then come on back, man. Oh, I was just going to say, I just like the fact that the Jets did all this trash talking, all this had all this noise all week long about how great they were and how they were going to stomp us. We walk in there, and it reminds me of a TV commercial I've seen recently. I don't know. It's for some hair product or some men's deodorant or something. Anyway, it's got these two guys or MMA fighters. This one guy, he's doing some kind of some kind of dancing, kind of fighting routine. He's dancing around. He's playing up the crowd. He's doing all this talking. The fight starts, and he goes to kick the guy. The other guy just grabs him by the leg and punches him in the face and knocks him out. And I thought of that today. I thought, that's the perfect thing of this game. The Jets were dancing around, doing all the talking. They got hit in the mouth by the Dolphins, knocked out, and now they're, they're sucking. Oh, man. And I'm loving No, no, no. No, man. They didn't get hit in the mouth and knocked out, man. They got they, they got worked over. They got beat up. And it, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't the one blow, man. I mean, they took it to the body. I mean, they were messing up Sanchez. I mean, it was just, I mean, to be there live and to be just the whole the whole experience 
up one side and down the other for a Dolphin fan, you couldn't ask for a better scenario. I mean, the Dolphins went in there and whipped their effing ass up one side and down the other. I mean, I mean, it was amazing. And and you know, let's let's back it up. You know, that tailgate that the Dolphins New York City put on, man, it was like a small army. People kept, you know, this one guy was like, everybody was a giddy like Christmas. I mean, like, I mean, look at this, look at all the Dolphins. Man, look at all of us, look at us. You know, and I'm gonna tell you, you go to you go to a football game on the road, the Dolphins travel pretty well. They have a fair amount of fans at every game. But what was different, and I've been to a lot of games, brother. I am a road warrior. I have been there and done that, and I love it, man, and I love going to games. And let me tell you, when you put all the fans in one location and they walk in like a gang, man, you're doing a couple things. You are getting in the head of your arch drive. I mean, I'm going to tell you, the one one guy's like, oh, giddy. you know, like I say, many people, I kind of overhear this, like, man, look at all of us, man, look at all of us, right? This one guy was going, look at all of them, man, look at all these Jets fans. It's not a single one. They all look like they, someone, you know, someone, their mom died or something. Every last one, doom and gloom, right, doom and gloom. And I'm like, hey, you look around through our tailgate, and, man, we were bouncing off the walls. Like, we could sense it, man. There was an energy there that was pretty apparent, man. It was pretty apparent. And, you know, uh, with, you know, with the, with the management showing up there and the owners, I mean, come on. I mean, how unexpected is that? It's, it's no shit, man. I'm sitting there and go, oh, Mike D's pretty tall, right? Mike D goes about 6'4 or so, bald head, pretty recognizable guy in the crowd because he's a little bit taller than everybody. You know, and Matt Moore, I, I know him. So I see these guys. I know him. I have a rapport with him. I start talking to him unbeknownst to me, the whole Stephen Moore, you know, Stephen Ross thing's going on, right? And, uh... Because I, I, you know, I, I didn't get a picture with, I didn't, have, you know, I was chit-chat with him. I was going to try to draw him over to my, my bust. I had my bust there in my tailgate, right? So I was going to try to draw him over there, but almost immediately it kind of turned into a little mob scene. I mean, it was just, you know, everyone's like, Ugh. and uh, there was like five cheerleaders walking amongst the crowd, and then Fergie was there, and... Uh, you know, and some people got some really good pictures. I didn't get the good pictures with Ross and with Fergie because that broad jumped in front of my camera. But the thing about it was, like, I made my way. I know, but it was it was like, think of being like at a carnival, right, where everybody's just kind of packed together, right? And it, they're all kind of getting kind of, it's getting kind of mobbish, right, where people are clamming around. And I see what's going on. I'm, I was chit-chatting with Dee and, and, and Nat. You know, I talked to both of them. I showed them. I go, I go, hey, Mike, Dee, check this out, man. I, he goes, he goes, what you got in your bag? He goes, you got Mini Merino in there? I go, no, I got fucking money in there, brother. I'm out there panhandling for the DCC, you know? And I showed that, too. He's like, he's like, all right, man. He goes, you are the man. And that's the same thing I did in Cincinnati, too, man. I was panhandling, right? So what do I get yesterday? Go ahead, ask me. I know I'm taking over the show. Oh, that's fine. I'm going I'm 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 to let somebody talk now. Somebody talk. What did you get yesterday, Ohio? Fucking glad you asked. Mike D laid a hundred dollars <laughs> down on my writer page. Really? Yeah. Let me say it again. Mike D, the 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 CEO of the Miami Dolphins, put a hundred bucks down on on yours truly. Now, That's impressive. That's well, you know, hey, you know, share sharing. I, I'm gonna tell you a few months. You know, when the thing started, 
you know, I've been working part-time since I was home. You know, I'm not a man of great means. I, I just kind of budget everything well and look at a calendar and, you know, I plan this shit out, but I ain't a rich man. Don't, don't get it twisted. Right. But I threw a, ten, I threw a 10 spot at Mike D and put a little thing about the logo change. I go, uh, let iconic be iconic. I vote no change. Just simply, simply because I don't want them doing a deal like, uh, New England or Denver. I didn't like their changes, man. I like their old logos, you know, uh, uh, Tampa Bay, I think they upgraded, although I didn't dislike their old one. I liked their crazy orange because I'm crazy. I go, ah, oh, crazy orange. Yeah, that's all right. You know, but hey, guys, let me, let me, let me but, jump in. We got another, we got another uh, fan on the line here. Uh, Chris, a.k.a. Dolphin Fan for Life, is on hold. So I'm going to bring him into the conversation, too, so he can get a word in. So, hey, and while we're doing, while we're doing that, group, Chris, I want to ask. Chris, hey, welcome to the show. Thanks. Uh, I just want to ask real quick. During the uh, during the games, during the jet games or whatever, I don't know if they kept over the loudspeaker, kept playing this loud whistling thing. I, I've always wondered what that is. It kind of annoys me, but I hear it every so often on, on the broadcast. I'm like, what is that? Whistling thing at the game? Yeah, it, 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 ah. it's some kind of something they play on the loudspeakers. I, you know, I didn't get that. The one thing I got from the PA system is I noticed at different stadiums they'll play the replays of the home crowd uh, pretty regularly or some replay, even replays of almost every game like you're at TV. At the Jets game, they did not do that. You did not see a lot of replays, and they got that beautiful new – it's a new stadium, and it, they got that beautiful system, and they just didn't play the replays. But, again, I don't think they probably had a lot of replays. Uh, I mean <laughs> – did, did anybody remember the hit? That there was there a hit on Sanchez where like somebody just lay stepped right into him, like hit him straight away in the chest and about broke him in two. Was there? Because I swore yeah, I heard that. I thought it was way too to hit him. I, I don't think it was a sack, but I think it's like right when he got the ball away and he just got creamed. And it's like you hear that snap of that plastic on plastic where it just sounds like a car crash in football terms. But uh, oh man. Yeah, no, I don't know. Well, I didn't hear no whistling or anything in the PA system. Uh, well, I heard, I, I heard, I heard, I heard, San, I heard Sanchez almost breaking too, and I was happy for it. <laughs> Just thinking, Jets fans. And then, oh my God, let me just go back to my, let me go back to talking about the game for a second. When, uh, when, when Dave starts going, he goes, hey, he goes, you know, we ought to be saying he just ever so ever so nonchalantly leads. Oh, because I sat next to Dave the whole time and my other buddy Billy, and uh, Billy was a man. I got to tell you, Billy, uh, me and him got along like peaches and cream. But Dave says, "Hey, we ought to say uh, that's another New York Jets fourth down." I go, "Great idea, I got this." You know, so when and when the fourth down come up, that's another New York Jets. Fourth down, you know, and the, and the fans are just like, I, and then of course we all got doing it, you know. We and I said, man, some way, shape, or form, whenever the Dolphins play the Jets, we got to get the crowd in mass when it's a fourth down to do that and just turn the screws on them, turn the screws, <laughs> dang it, you know. And uh, and uh, the whole, uh, and then I started because you know in Buffalo and Cleveland they'll do the asshole chant where they go, asshole. Uh, over and over and over, right? So I just modified it and did Tebow. 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 Then everybody
great, you know, you get about four, you know, people joining in with you, you can hear that stuff, you know, and Sandy, that's got to get in their head, man. Get in their head. It's the fans worked up. You put in, the, what, what happened the one time they put Tebow in, man? He got stacked up at the line. They wanted to break him in half, too. Praise God, break him in half. All right, I'm done I'm done going on. It was great. I'm going to put that on my bucket was, list to go to a uh, Jeff Dawson game, so. But uh, let's you get the Dolphin fans, uh, fans for life. Uh, welcome to the show. And what's on your mind, my man? Uh, nothing much. I had a question um, regarding free agency and the draft. Um, well, first off, uh, it's actually a two-part question. Um, there are two free agent tight ends on the market that are fit our skill set. Um, one is compliments of the Jets. Dustin Keller is a free agent next year. Another one is Fred Davis from Washington. Both of them might be a little expensive, but compared to our history of, well, we didn't draft Fasano. We drafted Clay, but to me, he's just a better utility back than he is a tight end. Um, we... Basically, I think we're playing him out of position. Um, and Agnew, well, I don't know what the hell's wrong with him. But, you know, would any of these two make sense? Because, well, look at the Jets' cap space. They're not going to be able to keep everybody. And Santonio Holmes is coming on a payday. And I read something over on Gangrene Nation where even if they're scrounging, they only end up with about $25 million under the cap to sign everybody and draft picks. You know, and I just think one of them's going to be, well. Well, you know, I can't. I, I think if you could upgrade a position or, or, or bring yourself in a, a guy that's, that's going to make your team better, you know, how how can you argue against that? I mean, I think we're all in that. For me, you know, being a rooting fan and not so much a technically, you know, I, I what what is, what is if we list the Dolphins' priorities as a team as a whole, offense and defense, you know, is a tight end our where does the tight end fall as our priority level is how what I how I would start and go go from there. So I don't know, I don't yeah. know, I don't know how to answer it. But if we can get a better tight end, I like Fasano because I think he plays rough and tumble. He doesn't like to go out of bounds. He, you know, he's catching those balls. You know, um, I remember when he dropped that one ball. What was it, a preseason game or something? It was like a, a four-yard pass. I was like, oh, Fasano, oh, garbage. You know, I mean, you have fickle fans. I don't know, but uh, he seems to play pretty solid. So I don't know, you know, what the priority level is on upgrading your tight end at this point. Can anybody elaborate yeah. on that? I mean, what what is a, what is a, what is a, what is the highest priority for the Dolphins at this point, well, position wise? I think it depends as far as as your in, in terms of upgrade, what position. Um, there are a couple of things out there that we need to upgrade at. Um, we do need some help wide receiver. Uh, we need some help in the secondary. Um, I think we need some help at, at, at pass rushing because right now it's Wake and you know everybody else. Right. So we don't really have a complimentary pass. Well, rushing. I don't. You know, and I guess I guess in my mind I just don't see tight end as a, as a as a priority position. You know, 
and if uh, Dustin Keller, wouldn't he cost a fair amount of money? And don't we have, aren't we trying to look at Jake Long and, and Hartline? Or you know, I mean, I don't know what the financials are with the Dolphins as far as trying to work out that puzzle of free agency and and keeping those positions all filled adequately to put a winner on the on the field. You know, the Dolphins seem pretty right and tight right now, man. They seem like they're 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 doing well in all phases of the game. And that's one thing I always you know, I hate it when one one the offense and let's say the defense, where the defense is playing well, but then the offense can't get no points. You know, it seems like we're just doing everything well right now. So uh and then what we got a trade deadline coming up, so you know, wouldn't that be more of a uh, a question to ask is is there any trade possibilities for the Dolphins? Is there any, anything like that that could come up? You know, yeah, and exactly. we talk about we talk about positions and wide receivers. You know, could we could we make a trade? And and what do we trade? Do we trade draft picks? Well, I've got some uh, I've got some trade options. Uh, I thought about earlier today that we can talk about here in a little bit. As far as tight ends, I I really think they're going to bring back Sano. Um because he he doesn't do anything great, but he does everything okay. He does he at one point they had a at one point they had a lineup on the field. They had it, an offset line where Jake Long was playing uh, as a tackle eligible outside of Jonathan Martin, and Anthony Sano was playing left tackle. And I have seen Sano block defensive ends one on one, and that's a luxury to have in this league. He's not going to blow anybody away with speed, but he's a reliable target across the middle. He's a smart player on uh, in the Raiders game where uh, when Tannehill rushed for a touchdown, Fasano was running a route. He realized that the defensive end might get to Tannehill, so he gave up on his route and cut block the defensive end so Tannehill could reach the edge and score. So that that's a smart player. He's a guy that he just knows how to get open. And I've, I've watched it before when Chad Henning was throwing the ball, and, and I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, you know, where I leaving some points on the field. He was open, and Tannehill just didn't see it. So this is a guy that if, you know, as, as Tannehill improves, this guy is going to score a lot of points. He's already got three touchdowns. I could see him getting between – I've seen him getting like eight touchdowns to ten touchdowns this year. So I think they keep Fasano. As far as picking up a free agent – they might could go for a guy like Fred Davis, but he's going to be coming off that Achilles injury. So I don't know, and he wouldn't be expensive, but I don't know how explosive that's going to make him. I really think the Jets will try to keep Dustin Keller just because he is one of their better players. Uh, and yeah, they need to, they'll have to cut some space, but I don't see, I, I see them making him a priority simply because if they have to stay with Sanchez for another year, he is Sanchez's safety valve. He Sanchez loves throwing Dustin Keller. If you take him away, now that would be great for us. But I think the Jets are going to make it a priority to keep him over some other players, just because of what he means to their their offense. You just said the Jets would need to cut some space, but what they really need to do is cut those quarterbacks. They suck. That's yeah, all. That's and, all. And now that, on the on the Jets front, but uh, yeah, go on. Well, and and like uh, Dolphin fan philosophy saying on that uh, on the front page of their their site today, they had a thing about their they had a post about their um, their cap space, and if they cut Sanchez, they're going to his salary is less than the dead money he would create by cutting or trading. What? And you know, so here's a funny thing: stuck with his twelve million a year. And you know, well, let me before you get into facts and figures. The funny thing is, I say that as a joke. 
But, you know, the reality is he sucks so bad they just might cut him, which, as a Dolphin fan, I, you just got to giggle. I giggle at that shit, man. When I see them implode and they get so, oh, gosh, okay, let's let's talk – Let's talk some other stuff because I just I giggle when I talk. You know, oh I don't think God. they can cut him because of the salary cap implications. They can't. Yeah, I mean, they, they can't afford to cut him. Yeah, his salary <clears throat> next year will be less than the cap space, the cap hit if they cut him. They will lose an additional four million in cap space if they cut him. So they basically have to live with his contract next year, uh, or or else eat an extra four million for letting him go. <laughs> well, and then well, they Jets got are, the Jets, you know, here's the thing with the Jets up. right now is their ancient history as far as the Miami Dolphins go, man. They're they're, you know, we got bigger fish to fry with, uh, you know, Indy coming up. That's going to be a good game, you know. That's going to mm-hmm. be a, uh, you know, oh man, what I wouldn't give to be there. Oh, I got a mic. Oh my gosh, what? A, <laughs> scratch that last one. All right, uh, Dolphin Fix, you said that was a two-part question. So what was the second part of that? Uh, the second part, well, it pretty much has to do with the draft. Um, Clemens okay. is playing all right now. Rashad Jones is playing all right. Sean Smith is playing all right. And Nolan Carroll is, well, he's not superb, but he's basically Sean Smith last year. Um, with all of our secondary coming up, and all this other stuff, the progression of the cornerbacks plus another year under um, our defensive coordinator system. Where do we go? Like, I mean, I see Vernon is progressing nicely. Uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm seriously thinking our defense is set. It just needs another year under the system. Like, I mean, yeah. do we just go all offense this year? Do we get a couple of depth pieces later? I, I think we're in a position that we can draft the best player available, regardless of need. And at first, you know, and, and Keith will talk, talk about it a lot, um, you know, he's not really impressed that much with the secondary. I personally, I think they're playing well, but it goes back to to this, if there's a guy out there that you think can be a playmaker, that I mean, it, I mean, Clemens is playing well and Jones is playing well. But let's say you draft a guy who can come in and 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 dominate the safety position, who can create turnovers, who blows up tight ends, who can cover guys, uh, you know, one man man to man. You know, would you substitute that guy right now for one of those two guys? And if the answer is yes, then you draft a guy like that, regardless of what the other guy feels like. I mean, this is you know the it's a performance-based industry, so if, you know, Clemens is playing well, he's had some interceptions, he's he's making smart plays, but there's a guy out there that can do that and do other stuff, I think you you make a play for that. <laughs> as far as what we draft, I think one of our biggest needs right now is pass rusher. Um, we have Wake, who is a dynamic pass rusher. Uh, Pro Football Focus has him rated as the best 4-3 defensive end in the league. But Jared Audrick is not generating any pressure. He's decent against the run, and I personally think he's playing out of position as a as an end. I think he's better fit as a tackle in the four three. I think Vernon has has shown some some, some uh, good play in the last few games, and as a matter of fact, he's had an impact, at least one impact play in the last 
three games. Uh, two of those on defense and the others on special teams. But he, you know, I've watched him go up against, against Ferguson, who was a good left tackle. And Ferguson handled him pretty well. So I think he can come along. But at the same time, you know, you look at what the New York Giants have done, you look at what other teams like the Eagles have done. You know, you don't, you know, if you can get multiple pass rushers on the field, I think you can do that. And I think we can be in a position in the first round that if that's, if they see that as a need, they can go after a guy who can they can you know, bring in as a as a as a nickel pass rusher along with Vernon or, or move guys around and give us different looks. Um, I see that as a need. I, I see cornerback could be a need. It depends on how Carroll plays, and I think it's indicative that we won the last three games, and and during those last three games was the game that Carroll has started, and. Our past defense has improved here on the start. Uh, I don't think Richard Marshall is a good outside corner. I think they're nickel, and it's a sub-pack of safety. But I think Carroll's playing well. He's not playing lights out, and he can improve on that. And I believe that we are in a position to go into this draft based on what I've seen right now. And I can, of course, change. We've still got, you know, uh, nine games left. But based on what I'm seeing from the team right now, that we, we're not necessarily great at every position, but we're not necessarily hurting every position. Um, I like what I saw from the wide receivers in the Jets. I thought, you know, each one had a niche. So I don't necessarily think that we have to go out and get that big-time wide receiver in the draft. I think we might find some guys to beat this fit. So I think Miami has, and we have to get draft pick five in the first round, but we've got some bullets go out there and, and make the team a lot better. And I think that's how they're going to approach the draft. Because, you know, don't be surprised if we don't if we take an offensive guard in, in the first round, you know, especially if we, if we keep playing well and make the playoffs, that we can take it another offensive lineman because, you know, that, that's a position that could be upgraded. So I think they're just going to take whatever position is available that can help the team win. I mean, if you know, if, if we refound Starks and Soli out here, and you got all these guys, I mean, I'm not going to take a defensive tackle. But I think they're going to take the best guy who fits the team and can help us win at any position, regardless. And uh, I think that's how they're going to approach it now. Which, you know, with Tannehill showing that he looks like he can become the franchise quarterback, uh, and he's playing well, and Vernon coming along, and Martin stepping up, and you know some guys in this draft that are stepping up. I think we've got some room just to you know do whatever, do whatever we want to do in this draft. We, we're not, we, you know, we're, we're not trying to peg in a, a position like we well, have. Well, you, hit the, you hit you hit the nail on the head when you said uh, make the team better. You know, uh, we we and we have those extra draft picks. So uh, you know, uh, if we can, you know, just just shore up things. You know team is playing well and I think I think the fan base as a whole was fairly optimistic at, at the new regime coming in. You know, we're like, oh, you know, when you get these these polls, you know, and people were talking about uh what our what our record was gonna be, you know, there is that there is, you know, the pessimistic, oh we're rebuilding, we're not gonna be good. You know, but yet here we are, we're now we're kinda a little bit more optimistic, like, hey, we're not half bad. You know, we can make a little noise here, you know. Um, yeah, and, so if they can, so if they can springboard, so we can make a little noise this season. We get to the draft. See, I'm not even in draft mode at this point. But if you want to talk about it, that's cool. 
Hey, uh, you know, they make I'm always in draft get, mode. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm never in draft mode. I hate the off season. That's for smart people. I just like to cheer the team on. Uh, but uh, you, you know, so here we are we're making a little bit of noise. You know, I mean, the, the fan base seems even more optimistic. I know I sure the hell am, man. I, and, you know, Indianapolis, you know, I see that's winnable, man. And then we got the, what, the Titans next coming home. So, you know, I, I'm optimistic. And then, again, you don't sleep on anything, anything they have. But say you play it out. Now, the Dolphins, have, you know, um, let's just say that they – exceed expectations of a of a 500 season you know i don't think i think if you said a 500 season you know we were like oh wow that'd be great you know that'd be great if we could manage eight and eight that'd be really great you know so anyways you build on that you know you get you know it doesn't have to be i don't care if it's not glamorous or right you could put ronald mcdonald at wide receiver if he catches everything comes near him i'm happy as hell you know i mean that's a fact so, you know, we do, we, we stockpile, you know, when I met Jeff Ireland, you know, I mean, you know, uh, when he came through the lobby, I told him he did a good, he's doing a good job. Stay the course, man. Keep, you know, they, he doesn't seem half bad to me, but again, I'm a, I'm a guy that cheers for the team on game day. I don't analyze the players. Hell man. I don't even know half their first names, you know, you know, I mean, I do, but I don't, you know, but, uh, I know this, they put on that damn helmet and walk on the field as a Miami Dolphin, man, I'm going berserk, you know, I want them to win, you know, I'm down for the cause. So, anyway, yeah, and like, and said, like you said, yeah, I so anyways, if happened, they, oh, I'm I think what's happened this season is that, you know, we came in with low expectations and we had players step up that we didn't, that we weren't expecting to step up. I mean, guys like Clinton and Carroll and Hartline and Marlon Moore and uh, John Jerry. I mean, guys that we wrote off because we 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 you know fed into all the hype and the preseason bluster about about how bad they are. And suddenly, these guys are you know you sit there and watch them play and you watch them do things. You're like, wow, I didn't expect that from that guy. And I read a comment this week on NFL.com. They were talking about the Dolphins, and he said, and the the writer said that Joe Philbin has has built a team that's better than the sum of its parts. And I agree with that. The team right. itself is better than one individual or a couple of individual players. And, and you have and a good that, player like, like Cam Wake on the defensive line where you have a guy who's, who, who is a dynamic elite player, but he fits in to the team dynamic. So when you go look at adding free agents, when you look at adding players in the draft, what you're doing is you still want to keep that dynamic, just add better pieces and make the team even better. And I think, you know, I think that's why the team is surprising us is because, you know, we were we were looking at it as the sum of its parts. And Philbin has built something that's, you know what, this team works differently. And the guys that are stepping up and playing well uh, are, 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 are making that happen. So before we go any further, I want to introduce the boss man. Kevin, are you still there? Hey, can you guys hear me? Yeah, I can hear somebody. That's much better, Kevin. (laughs) Okay. I don't know. Apparently that headset's just worthless. Apparently. Kevin, welcome Um, to the party. Thanks. Um, Yeah. Listening to to all the talk, I think, and I talked to Keith about this uh, a few days ago, and Keith and I basically came to the same, same, same that you just made, Chris, that 
we're, we're going into this draft with a best player available mentality. I know, like you said, Keith, Keith is still looking secondary. Um, I kind of agree with that, and I talked to the guys at SB Nation today about this. They're looking at doing a story tomorrow morning about each team and what, if they made a trade, what they would be looking for. And I did, I talked to them about the idea of a wide receiver, and I just don't see the Dolphins doing it, no matter what. But I think the secondary could be where, they're, where they look to address. And I have no problem with the way Nolan Carroll's playing. And obviously, I don't have a problem with Sean Smith. But after that, it's a depth issue. Because if Richard Marshall's back is bothering him this much, he's not coming back anytime soon. He could this week. I mean, I don't know, but we'll see. But practice that he was listed as he, he was out. So he was he? Supposed to start. He's yeah. out. So that leaves. <laughs> I mean, that really leaves Jimmy Wilson, who the team wants to make a safety, to still play corner. So I. I think that that's where the number one need might be is depth at cornerback. Now, is that does that mean that you go after that in the first round? Probably not. But if you go best player available and you have a stud corner sitting there, that may be where you go. Obviously, the biggest need that the Dolphins have to address is wide receiver. But I don't know if that's a you have to address it in the first round type issue. So. Yeah, and, and I think that's one of the things about about looking at this team is I think the players that you know the more I, the more I've read this week and the more I've looked into it and the more I see how this team is, is going is we're going to look for guys that are going to be team first type guys. We're not going for these yeah. me first guys. And you know when you watch the game and you see a guy like Jimmy Wilson, you know, step up and make a play here. And in the next the next drive, somebody else that you didn't expect makes a play. And it's just all these guys are contributing. All these guys are buying in. So whoever the team brings in is going to have to be a guy that does that. So I don't well, think we're going out and getting a guy like Dwayne Bowe or somebody like that or any type of player like that because they're, I don't think they're going to want a guy who is all about making a bunch of money, all about getting the ball a lot of times, or all about putting it on himself. I think it's going to be a guy who wants to – who's going to buy into this – the team above everybody. Well, and, and the, you know, let me just let me jump in for one second and say this: Philbin's doing a great job of setting a precedence, is he not? You know, yeah. with Marshall and, and, and with uh, Ocho Cinco, Ocho Cinco. You know, you know. I mean, he say, you know, he's built. You know, he's built. You know, what the guy said. You said he's building something that's greater than the sum of its parts. You know, so that's that. You know. He's looking, like you said, he's looking for these type of players. But once he gets these players, he's building it. He's putting his stamp on it, man. I, and I, I think uh, everybody right now is pretty happy with it, you know. Because again, when you bring in a rookie coach, you know, you just never know. You don't know. You know, you could get, uh, you know, you could get, you know, we could get the fist pumped to the doggone head scratcher. You know, you just never know. But uh, you know, you know, you know. Uh, so, you know, but right now we're happy as could be with Philbin. So, hooray. Yeah. I love, uh, I love dolphins. It's better than loving turtles. Right, right, <laughs> right. I know, I see a picture of that. I don't get the joke. Was there a joke about turtles? Someone's in love with turtles? Uh, yeah, I don't get it either. 
right. Well, it's, uh, right. hey, it's back to, uh, 72. He, lo- he loves turtles. Okay. Uh, because last time, last time in Florida, when I came back here, I went to Orlando and I went to Gatorland in one of the photos I put in one of my posts. I seen, uh, Mr. Turtle, uh, you know, having his way with Mrs. Turtle right there is a paying attraction, you know, right next to the train tracks, the train tracks that the little kids go by next to the little water playground. As you're going off to the gator pond, you had Mr. Turtle throwing, throwing Mrs. Turtle, uh, the proverbial bone, you know, and I took a picture of it because, uh, you know, heck, you know, you're it's you. nature. We can we can learn from that. <laughs> turtles need love, you know. So the moral of the story is, turtles need love too. They do, <laughs> right? So, well, hey, back to football, man. Back to football. Yeah. Get away from the turtle love. All right. so, uh, this podcast just so took Kevin, a turn. It's run out of Kevin, time. Before, uh, so before uh, before we. You, you mentioned something about some, some trades, and I was going to bring this up later in the show. Um, but I, I had three names of guys that the Dolphins uh, might trade for, and I thought about it today. And I'll just play these out here for, for you guys to discuss. But one that I had mentioned to you before is Mike Jenkins from the Cowboys. Uh, he's on, at the end of his rookie deal. He's on the bench. Pretty good corner. Another guy is Steve Smith from Carolina. May not necessarily fit the team concept, but he might want out. They might be willing to trade him. But the other guy that I just thought off today, because I read some stuff about it, and I don't know that they would do it because they are actually have a winning record right now. But one guy that might be on the trading block that might want out or they might be able to move is uh, Dwight Freeney from Indianapolis. And I could see, I could see Miami making a move like that if, Indianapolis was willing to to get rid of him. So, what do you guys think about those three guys? I will rule out training immediately for the simple fact that we play them Sunday, and doing it just before you play them probably not a good move for Indy. Um, that that would be my thought. It it would be an interesting concept because he he could want out. Um. Indy could be interested in dealing with them, dealing him with how they're trying to go young. But, yeah, I just don't think that they would make that move knowing that, hey, we're going to give you all of our defensive secrets two days before we play you. Um, Jenkins is interesting. He, he could be in play. I don't know. I, I, I don't know because I don't know what the, the Colts, the Cowboys would want. In him or for him, yeah. And see, so, the reason it's a good deal is that Jenkins is on the bench. They're three and four, and I'm sure they still think that they can compete. But you know, yeah, they might want to hang on to him just for depth. But he's a guy that you're paying a lot. He's not more than likely not coming back next year. You're probably not going to put the franchise tag on him. So he's going to leave during free agency. You can probably get something for him here at Miami. He would fit for sure, as the nickel corner. He would come in and replace Jimmy Wilson at that position and allow Wilson to play as a dime corner or as an extra safety or something like that. Uh, although I think Wilson's done a decent job as a nickel. Uh, yeah, he would oh, very much so. that role immediately uh, and, and would give us depth at that position. And he's a young guy that we can re-sign. Um, so 
I just don't think Dallas will part with him, but I think he's a guy that if he was available that I would make a call for, and at least I would give up a third for him. Yeah. What I, about I, Ray Malawaga? He's probably the best choice out there right now. What, what well, do that, I got to say? What about who? Ray Malawaga. There's rumors about him. Uh, I forgot where I read it, but um, he's got like one or two years left on his deal. And uh, I don't know. I read it somewhere that they were thinking about trading him because they needed more draft picks. But I, I don't. I don't think we would I'm, go I'm for saying, him. Yeah, for simple. That, that's where I am. He's dead. He would be depth, and he's starting right now. So they're going to trade him to. A, he, he's going to want to go to a team that needs him as a starter. And the teams that are going to ask for him are going to need linebacker help. We need some depth at linebacker. We're pretty thin there. But as far as starters go, I think we're pretty set with the guys that we have. And Spittler even came in this game and played well. Um, I think I saw Trusnick out there playing okay. So, I mean, I think I think we're fine at that area. I think that's something that we would address in the draft if we were going to get a linebacker. Um I don't think we're going to trade for a guy like that, unless it's a pass rushing type linebacker that we can bring in as a nickel pass rusher. You know, I don't think the Dolphins are hard enough to make a trade either. You know, I mean, uh, I wouldn't be too anxious to trade um, unless I could get a deal on on something that was a a position, you know, uh, to help fill a need, you know, that I could get at at a reasonable price. You know, I don't want to overpay in a trade. I think they're. In a, I think in a trade scenario, they're in a position of strength because they don't necessarily need to make a trade. You know, yeah. trade deadlines coming and going. You know, coming and going. A lot of teams don't make trades, and I don't think we're in a position that where we are going. Ah, we got to make a trade. No, we're not. And but if we can, if we can make a trade and upgrade some position and get away from that trade and not giving up too much. Well, I think that's a, you know, that plays into the same concept of the draft. We're looking to, we got this strong nucleus that's, that's, that's overachieving, and if we can strengthen it through the trade and the draft, you know, I'm all, you know we're all, all for it. But, I don't, you know, me personally, I don't want to, we're not in a position, I, I don't think we're in a position of, uh, you know, we're in a position of, of strength from a, from a trading aspect. We're okay. Yeah, we, anybody, we can trade anybody? if we to trade not if we need to trade. Yeah, I don't think we're I don't think we're gonna be active tomorrow. I I doubt any I mean the NFL never has active trade deadline anyway, but I don't think we're gonna be in on it. Yeah, so I mean all this talk of a trade is, is you know, I, I I'm more interested in talking about the game coming about, you know, the Tannehill Luck matchup, you know, in Indy. You know, that's a new stadium. That's a beautiful stadium. That's a beautiful uh, downtown coming off the heels of a Super Bowl. It's gussied up, you know. Uh, like I say, there's a, there's a lot of Dolphin fans in the Midwest. You know, I've been to Indy a few times to see the Dolphins play when they're in our division, and there are always pockets of Dolphin fans, you know. You go to some of these games, and, and you know, you, the Dolphins have a fair amount of fans. The neat thing about the the, the group last weekend is you, you got them all together. So, yeah, you know, it, for future references, any Dolphin fans out there, man, and anywhere you're listening, try to get together, organize a group, put a group together, 
Facebook, whatever, and it makes the experience so much better. You know, win, lose, or draw. If they, if the Dolphins lose and you got to come out with a – even if it's just a couple buddies, it's a lot better than going with you and your wife or you and one other buddy, man, because that walk of shame can suck sometimes, you know, especially if they really lay an egg. But, uh, hey, man, it's happy days around here. So uh, I'm thinking, you know, there will be a lot of Dolphin fans at that game. And I'm interested to see you, know, you talk about the need of a of a pass rusher. Man, I, I love it when our when our pass rush is working and we get to the quarterback. So I'm hoping these guys that go on the field on Sunday can uh do the job again. So does anybody know the scouting report on the uh Colts offensive line? If I, I I'm I'm under the impression they're not all that good. I don't know. I don't but I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head. Um I know that they're young, but I don't know how they've been so far this year. Um, that's a very, it, it's a great question, and I'll tease it with this. On Friday during our uh, Google Plus Hangout video show, uh, Brad Wells from over at Stampede Blue will join us. So I'm sure we'll bring that up and we'll talk to him. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, then, you know, just couple with that, you know, I always kind of, you know, I couple – things together the offensive line to the running game you know so if their offensive line you know because we're playing good against the run so they better have they better have a stud back there because if they ain't blocking man he ain't running they don't have one back you know, there they don't have they don't have no way they can run well then we're in good shape man and how are their receivers you know is, is Tannehill or not Tannehill is Luck putting up big numbers how's his numbers looking um yeah he's uh, uh well he, Reggie Wayne is leading the league in, in yardage uh, yeah and what, okay. what's scary about him <laughs> is that I've read that when he played with Peyton Manning, he lined up uh, exclusively on the outside. He was a he was a an outside wide receiver. Now they're moving him a lot more into the slot. So that means one of two things: either our slot or nickel corner is going to have to line up and guard him, or Sean Smith's going to have to play nickel. And I don't know that he necessarily has the skill set to do that. So they're going to have mismatch, mismatches with Wayne. The other guys that they have have been playing decent. Um, but the one thing that helps the Dolphins is that Kobe Fleener is going to be out. So that's one tight end threat that we don't have to worry about. Yeah, but he well, was and, you know, spreading it to all five. He's been spreading it to, like, like last game, he spread it to five different receivers. Um, he's getting a rapport with all of them. So that's bad. The good part about it is is that whoever is going up against Vontae Davis is probably going to have a good day. Well, and Vontae Davis is also out, so we won't get to uh, play against him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's another storyline that we could have talked about. And, uh, well, you know, I just, you know, again, I like it when the defensive line gets to the quarterback. So that's what I'm, I'm you know, I don't want to say I'm putting all my, all my eggs in that basket, but, uh, oh, boy. If they could uh, <clears throat> knock him around a little bit, you know that's going to make life easier for us, you know. And uh, you know what? And and you know it seems like um, it seems like our offense is. You know, we need to have another lights out performance where where the offense lights it up too. You know, didn't we? And and you know I heard talk of wide receiver earlier, but uh, who's the new receiver? Gaffney. What was that one mm-hmm. catch? He, what do you yeah. have? One catch. One catch? Yes. And how far did that go? About 30 yards or so, didn't 30 it? Yards, 30 yards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Hey, man. He dropped the 40-yarder, but, yeah, he went oh, 30 yards. Oh, why did you do that to me? Oh, man, I was just about ready to sing his praise. <laughs> well, well it's hey, his man, first, we 30, well, 30 he He's also really rusty. I mean, it's his first game of the season. He's coming off injury, so I can, I can look past a drop. Right, 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 yeah. So, you know, we got 30 yards out of the guy. And you know what? Guys drop balls all the time. You know, Brandon Marshall dropped a ton of balls. You know, now he's doing what? Now is Brandon Marshall doing well up in uh, Chicago? Now he's freaking on fire in Chicago. He apparently is he really on fire? Well, he can, be, he can be on fire. He can be the Chicago and have him. He's a head case. See you later, alligator. You know, in a while, crocodile. Apparently he needed Jay Cutler. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, they need each other because isn't Jay Cutler a big whiny baby too? So I hope yeah. we play him and punch him in the mouth. So whatever. I actually met him. Uh, my mom works for Vanderbilt University, so I got to actually meet Jay Cutler. Was he nice? Just, like, he was nice, but he was very, very kind of like standoffish. At right. The same time, it was more yeah. like. Like a, yeah, I don't I don't relate well to that. You know, I like personable type yeah. of individuals. You know. So, yeah, yeah, I like to carry on a conversation. You know. And another person I just got to meet Aaron Rodgers' little brother the other week. So nice. um, that oh. was pretty cool. Um Jordan now he to be honest, if we didn't get to him, I've been pushing him ever since the you know they, they, it's just because of the bloodline, but uh, right. he, he's he's actually playing pretty good under this new coach that we have. Um, but I don't know. Um, as far as like getting back to the guy about the offensive line, Colts are pretty good in the pass protection, very bad against the run protection. I don't see us getting very many. It's not going to be an easy day to get to the quarterback, but I think we might see them go for 2.7 yards of carry, except for that one big play that we seem to give up every single game. Yeah, um, and, that, and that a drag, you know, anyway, yeah, because I was still hoping last week we'd get a shutout, you know. But anyways. Hey, guys. I'm going to call it a night here. I'm tired. I've been uh, running around. Just remember, uh, I got that helmet that's up for the auction. And uh, any of the listeners out there, one last push, anything, a dollar. A dollar will help in this uh, fight against cancer. So, you know, I've driven 1,800 miles to get here from Toledo to New York to uh, Fort Lauderdale Beach. And I'm gonna get on a bicycle and ride 170 miles like uh, like nobody's business. You know, I just went out for a training ride today after I finally settled in here, and I just spun out 40 miles like uh, you know nothing. You know, so I'm gonna ride that 100 the first day like nothing, and then I'm gonna ride that 70 the next day like nothing. And uh, when they when they cut us loose, I'm gonna do my damnedest to stay right with the lead pack, man. So we'll see how that we'll see how it plays out, but. For for whatever it's worth, man, if anybody's out there is listening, can uh, muster a buck, man, I, I'd really appreciate it. Uh, not so much me, but the, the, the people researching uh, cancer really appreciate it. And uh, 
I'm humbled by everything, man. I'm just about done pining for money, it's in, and the celebration is on, man. So thanks so much for letting me uh, plow through your broadcast here and uh, share my stories and whatnot. But, uh, hey, I'm going to go get some rest, and uh, you guys carry on. Have a great show. Thanks, Ohio. You have a good night. All right. All good right, night, Take care. All right, bye-bye. Good night. Good night. And then there was silence. <laughs> a little bit of silence for a while. I'd, I'd like to get um I'd like to get um shoot, what's his name again? The boss man. I'll just call you that. I'm having a brain aneurysm over here or something. <laughs> but um I had brought up um earlier about the tight end situation. It's not so much a position of need as in, you know, like top priority but we could stand for some more offensive production. And, I mean, it doesn't just have to be a wide receiver. It could be a tight end, too. And, yeah, keep Fasano because, you know, he's like, you know, if Tannehill's Batman, Fasano's his utility belt, you know, and that's good and it's great. But, you know, we're throwing for 170, 200 yards a game where a guy like um, Fred Davis or um, the other guy from Dustin Keller could automatically see us produce at least like 70 to 100 more yards of offense because then we have that same tight end that we won't have to draft. Both of them are fairly young. You know, um not sure how old Fred Davis is, but... Um, both of them are that athletic tight ends that we're looking for. And, you know, the West Coast offense does deal with a two tight end set. It's just one more need that we don't have to focus on in the draft because apparently we can't draft a tight end for nothing. Um, I have not given up on Edmure yet. I think he's going to be fine. Um, I think that the team, obviously, Fasano's going to start or take one active spot every week. Um, Clay, they really want to get Clay involved. They really want him to start producing. And they're they're almost to a point where they're forcing it to him when they try. Now, granted, in some of these games, he's just been completely ignored or he's been covered and Tannehill can't get him the ball. But... When he's open, it's almost like they are forcing the ball to him to try to get him involved. And then I think Mastrid is still getting an active spot simply so that we have that blocking tight end available, even though he's not going in the game very often. Which brings us back to Agnew. I really think Agnew's problem is simply the fact that his head is swimming. I think if you give him time, he will come around. Um it may take the full year. He may be the guy that has to sit on the bench for the full year instead of Tannehill, and it may just be the way it is. But I still think he's going to come around and he's going to be a scene threat. At the same time, though, I don't have a problem with looking tight end and seeing what's available. I think, again, you end up the same thing as wide receiver. I think you end up having to address it in the draft if you're going that route. But if somebody came available – I, I wouldn't be against going after them. Because, like, right here's now. The about, here's the thing about getting tied in. I'm sorry to interrupt, but 
the thing about getting a guy like Keller or Davis is that if we resign Fasano, and I think that we will, he's your starter. So yeah. I don't think you go out and get a guy like Keller or Davis and have them be the second guy. I think you draft a guy like that, <laughs> or they bring up, you know, they keep developing Clay and Agnew. Excuse me. I think the problem with Clay, uh, Kevin, like you were saying with Agnew, is his, his head is spinning. Well, Clay's head is spinning too. Because in the last game, the Jets caught a timeout. And then we run onto the field, and Clay can't get in the right position, and we had to call a timeout immediately after that. Didn't even right. run play. So I think, you know, you've got to, for him, I think, you know, he, he learned that system last year and played well. Now he's learning this new thing, and it's just, it's blown his mind too, but he's a little farther ahead of Agnew. I think if we keep seeing yep. that from Clay, I think what's going to happen is you're going to see Clay being active one day and Agnew get in there because if they're even, <laughs> might as well try out Agnew. Yeah, and I think what I think what gives Clay the advantage right now is he he was a blocker turning into a pass catcher, while Agnew is a pass catcher that they're trying to get to block. So he he has to learn not only all the routes and everything, but he has to learn the schemes. He has to understand how to block in the NFL and all that kind of stuff. And I think Clay going the other way, it was easier for him. Plus, like you said, he has a, he has time in the NFL already that Agnew doesn't. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, last year he was successful, but we were running him mostly out the back, yep. out of the backfield as a fullback. Yep, that's what I think his niche is. You know, but we have, of course. You know, we've got um, Night Lane. Yep. I like to call him Night Lane because he reminds me of Night Train. But um, he just, we have him right now. So we're kind of like, you know, we had that versatility with with Clay. We don't have that anymore. So people know how to stop that. You know, of course, Lane was really only signed for one year. I think, you know, you get him back to his niche, which is that pullback. I mean, he can already block. Maybe he can't knock the heads off like, you know, Lane can. But, I mean, you put him in the backfield, he's got five touchdowns a season. You but, know, you but put him play, with, play has been playing the backfield. They have been putting him back there. He hasn't been lined up purely as a tight end. But it just I don't know if it's the new scheme is causing him issues or maybe it's a terminology thing that he's just getting confused because he is a young player and learned terminology and now has to learn different terminology and it, it could be that I don't know. But or maybe I think he will come around has... and this could also be a sophomore slump. So or it could just be having to get get used to a second quarterback. I mean, yep. he had Henny last year and then Moore. You know, um, if Moore has to come back, see how active he is. Maybe he's just used to, you know, he knows how Moore runs, you know, throws the ball. Yep. You know, he knows where he has to be to get where Moore's going to throw it. You know, and to be honest with you, you put Tannehill and Moore in a throwing competition, and, you know, you see more accuracy out of him. So while Moore is putting the ball where it needs to be, Tannehill's putting it where it's supposed to be 
And so, I mean, it could be that particular transition that he has to get used to. You know, because going through three quarterbacks in two seasons, being that you've only been in the league, this is your second season, yeah, and you're on your third quarterback, that's a lot to put on anybody. I mean, you know. We're moving, we're moving weapons around, too. I mean, it's not like we have the same guys going out, play after play after play. I mean, we have, you know, you've got your starters and wide receiver and heartline and bass and Fasano tied in. And then you're running backs. But if you think about it, we've got we've got Bush, Thomas, Wayne, Clay, Fasano, Gaffney, Bass, Marlon Moore, uh, a Hartline. You know they're not going to get 12 catches each, and you're not going to have this. You know, and Hartline has one game. But I think what you're going to see is you're just going to see a bunch of guys get some mediocre stats. You know. Bass is going to get four yep. catches here, Hartline four catches here, Clay two catches here, Pisano three catches here. I think that's what you're seeing. We're just spreading the ball around to so many different people in different ways that you're not going to see a guy just go off. And I think that's kind of what we were expecting with Clay. We were expecting this, oh, well, you know, a guy's going to get six, seven catches a game, and he's not. But we really don't have that guy right now. We just have guys doing different things. So, you know, I think that's part of it, too, is just he's in the game. He's an option. He's just maybe not the first target, or maybe he's, you know, just not getting the looks because other guys are at a certain time. So, who knows? We actually do do have the guy to get six catches a game in Fasano, but, you know, while he's open, Tannehill just doesn't make it that far to the progression area. Um, I mean... I can honestly see Fasano making six catches a game, every game. Oh, yeah. He, he's, he's good, and, and I think he's underrated. I think Dolphins fans see guys like Gronkowski and Jimmy Graham and think, you know, Fasano's not like that. But he doesn't have to be. I mean, Fasano is – Tannehill missed him in one look, bought him for a touchdown. He is two inches shy of having a touchdown – with his feet on the back line, and then he scores another. I mean, he could have easily had three touchdowns in this one game that we just had. So, I mean, you know, he, he's there. And I think I think the coaching staff sees that in Fasano, and they know what they have with him. They know if they're getting with blocking, his intelligence, and his route running and stuff. So I think that they're going to bring him back, and I think if Tannehill progresses and gets better, that we're going to see Fasano getting more and more looks, and he's going to be that. 10 touchdowns kind of tied in, and I think Dolphins fans will be surprised at that. To uh, to change the subject since we hit a lull right there, um, Beaver asked, how are Starks and McDaniels? Um, I, I have not seen, uh, Chris, if you have, I haven't seen the uh, injury report yet. Um, I don't Starks, know what they were listed uh, as. Oh. I didn't see the injury report. I did read the practice report. McDaniels did not practice, or if he did, it was limited. I think he was just on the side doing stuff. Um, I didn't read anything about Stark, so I assume he's playing. Um, um, and he practiced in full. Um, as far as injuries, uh, I mean, they had their normal stuff. A few guys sat out. Uh, I think Dansby practiced with his uh, wrist injury or whatever. Yeah, I just pulled it up. Marshall and McDaniel did not participate. Dansby, Pouncey, and Tannehill were limited. Moore, Thomas, uh, Matt Moore, Thomas, 
and uh, Trusnik for full participation. We have one empty space right now, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And the Dolphins had a bunch of, or at least one, and were thought to be bringing in more uh, defensive tackles, defensive linemen this week, which kind of tells you that McDaniel may be out for a little while. Maybe even Starks. I was wondering if maybe E.J. Henderson was a chance. I mean, I know he's a middle linebacker, but Dansby's hurt, and while Spittler's okay, he's more of like our reservist. I wouldn't trust him to play a full game. You know, um, but E.J. Henderson is a free agent right now, and he's out there. Yeah. Um, oh, hey, just uh, since I just saw the headline as I'm scrolling through things right now, uh, the Jaguars claimed Anthony Armstrong off waivers. <laughs> just look for them. I mean, maybe he can throw to him. I know we didn't get to talk about this last week, but I think it was kind of, at least for me, because I was one of the Henny Bashers for yeah, at least two years, is that it, I don't want to say it brought satisfaction because it really didn't, but it kind of, I felt justified in the fact that I think as Walter Football put it, Henny went out there last uh, last week when, uh, when Gabbert was hurt, and Henny basically played like he was drunk. Uh, <laughs> And that one, that one gist that somebody put up on the website, it was fourth and something, and he rolls out and just throws the ball away. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of people that supported Heaney, and I, you know, I'm not, you know, one of the I told you so thing. I'm not trying to do that, but I think it was just kind of one of those, you know, you see that and you're like, man, I'm glad we don't have that guy anymore, yeah. kind of thing. You know you're a true Dolphins fan when your um, jersey collection looks like mine. I have two jerseys in my collection. One is a Ted Ginn jersey, number 19, and one is a Chad Henney jersey. Yeah. I have a Henney. I have a Brown. I have a, um, I have a couple Ricky Williams. Um, let's see. I have a Marshall and an autographed Marshall. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm there with you. I've got. I think I have a Henny somewhere. If I didn't say that. Well, my girlfriend did get me two jerseys, but they're pretty much not going to be wearable because they were signed. Um, yeah. she got me an early Christmas present. Well, she's paying for it now. Um, but she got me an autographed Reggie Bush and an autographed uh Ryan Tannehill jersey. Luckily, I'm going to be putting that Ryan Tannehill because apparently every jersey that I wear, the guy sucks. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't want to jinx it anymore, so I'm just going to put it in a frame, put it up. She's like, no, you can wear it to brag. I'm like, no, you don't wear autographed jerseys. No. Yep. Of course, she's the type of person she decided she now likes the Carolina Panthers because of the colors of their uniforms. So, yeah. And her dad is, unfortunately, a Patriots fan. So Thanksgiving is going to be fun. Well, on top of that, my grandmother decided because Mark Sanchez is cute, she's a Jets fan. So, (laughs) yeah, Thanksgivings are fun. 
I just found, guys, um, there's a video on uh, Dolphins.com or MiamiDolphins.com, whichever one you type in there, it works, of uh, Tannehill practicing today. Um, he has a compression sleeve up his left leg, but he, uh, he's out there practicing his, all his throws and him moving around in the pocket and stuff. So if you would like to see Tannehill, um, it's on Dolphins.com. I'll, I'll probably shot it or put it on the Facebook page or something. Yep. And if you guys didn't see it, um, since I'm sort of bouncing all over the place since we are getting close on time now, um, we uh, we uh, the Dolphins have already announced that the blackout has been lifted for the Patriots game. So. They said ticket sales are definitely starting to go up. They're getting close on some of the other games, being able to declare those non-blacked out. But the Patriots game has reached the threshold, and at, they released some extra tickets today to try to because to, there was demand for them. So apparently we're getting somewhere. Yeah. The fans are starting think, to come back. I think that's probably been part of our problem the entire time is just the fans not being there the past few seasons. It's kind of hard for a player to look in the stands and see no fans there and think, oh, yeah, I need to play. I need to play hard. You know, that was one of our biggest things. Um, The year, I think we went almost undefeated at home. Like, we went 8-8. and and Right. All of our wins were road games, I mean, home games. We used to dominate in home games, and that was because we had a packed stadium, and Everybody was chanting, you know, people don't realize the 12th man helps. You know, I wish I could go to a Dolphins game. I'm stuck here in Tennessee, unfortunately, until next April. I'm moving back to Florida, so (laughs) hopefully for Christmas I can get season tickets. Uh, I'll be able to go to my first Dolphins game. Oh, there you Um, go. That's always a goal. I was too young. When I was growing up, and my grandfather was too cheap, so he never took me <laughs> to one. Um, but yeah, um, man, I took up a lot of time here. Um, <laughs> no, it's fine. We, we've had good conversations about lots of different things tonight. But I am yeah. gonna go ahead and say, uh, let's go around the table, I guess, even though we're all in different places, and see anybody has anything left. I'll go ahead and start with you. You got anything else you want to bring up? Um, just, I mean, can we finally put the Ireland sucks thing to rest? Uh, probably not. That's my guess. Since I, on the tweet of Armstrong getting released yesterday, somebody hashtagged Ireland. So <laughs> apparently. That it's going to last forever, I think. But uh, James, you got anything? No, I'm still, I'm still thinking about somebody tagging <laughs> Fireland at this point. But no, I'm good. <laughs> okay, Chris, you still there? Yeah. Um, you got anything? Yeah, I, I, I noticed this earlier this week. I, I was looking at the. Um, looking at the um, standings. 
We are at week nine of the NFL season. There are 13 teams that have a winning record. Two teams at 500, and the remaining 17 teams, that's over half the league, has a losing record right now, week eight, or week nine. The division, the toughest division so far, based on record, will be the NFC North. They have three teams with a winning record. The AFC has, um, they have seven teams with a winning record, meaning that every division in the NFC except the North only has one team with a winning record. And if you would have said at the beginning of the season that in week nine there were only 13 teams with a winning record, and two of those teams were the Miami Dolphins and the Indianapolis Colts, you would have been laughed at and ridiculed. But here we are at week nine, 13 teams with winning record, and two of them are the Miami Dolphins and the Indianapolis Colts, which, out of of all the games this weekend, only two games feature teams with winning records facing off against each other. The Steelers and the Giants, (laughs) the Dolphins and the Colts. Dolphins and Colts. Yep, and everybody's starting to see it, that this game could be huge for playoffs. So, it'll be a good game. Um, hopefully Tannehill's ready so we can have Tannehill versus Luck. But we'll see how it goes. Um, real quick, before we do close off the show, I want to remind everybody that plays pick six, SB Nation fantasy game. Get your lineups in by tomorrow night before the deadline, uh, the kickoff for the Thursday night game. So make sure you get those in. And Pro Bowl voting is out there, so go vote often, go vote fast. Pretend like you live in Chicago with Keith, and go vote as many times as you want. So, <laughs> and vote for me, that, Dolphins. Yeah, and vote for me. I'd many, rather many vote for the Pro Bowl than the presidency right now, so I'll be on it. <laughs> but, guys, thanks for covering for me. Thanks for uh, calling in. Thanks for uh, Ohio, you too. Everybody, thank you for calling in. And uh, we'll have the video show, the Google Hangout, on Friday night, and we'll be back with the podcast next Wednesday. So, good night, everybody. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? And why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. 
We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find this anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.